All right, welcome to the conversation. Is there a deep state? Is there a big brother? Is it in America or is it in China or is it both? Good news, we're gonna answer all those questions. Joining me now is Tom Harmon, he's the host of the Tom Harmon program. And he's the author of The Hidden History of Big Brother in America, but Hidden No More. Tom, welcome. Hey, Cenk, it's great to see you again. Good to see you, Thank brother. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, no problem. So I wanna get back to China in a second because apparently what they're doing is even scarier. But first off, we have a big brother that's not hidden right now that folks talk about Facebook and other social media platforms that take our information. Let me ask a couple of questions related to that. But the first one being, do you ever, like they use it to sell ads. Everybody knows that and, and, and people are uncomfortable with that in differing, in differing degrees. But do you ever get concerned that they might use it for political reasons? That they might capture information that is specific to you, not just you know aggregate information and use it in that regard? Or are you not yet worried about that? I think you know social media and and big tech and search engines and whatnot have all been doing that all along, and uh, you know it's extraordinarily intrusive when you go back and look at what um, the uh, Cambridge Analytica did, you know, on behalf of the Trump campaign and on behalf of the Ted Cruz campaigns uh, back in the day. They were micro-targeting people based on little tiny slices of preference. You know, have you ever owned a motorcycle? What brand of cigarettes do you smoke? Those kinds of things. Um, not necessarily those specific things, but in my book, there's a, a list of about a thousand individual items that are that are just the, you know, most of these data sets are two or three thousand things about you, very very granular. But the ones that are selling your information or selling a score, basically, to landlords, to employers, to banks, to retail vendors. Many of these companies are bragging that they've got 15 to 20,000 data points on every single individual. So yeah, it's entirely possible. And I, and I would argue that in fact, it has been used and exploited. Not, not yet by the companies themselves to the best of my knowledge, but by, but by groups that are using the companies like Cambridge Analytica and like the Russian government, um, you know, getting Donald Trump into, into office in 2016, for example. Okay, so I'm gonna come back to what we can do about it. But you've got me curious about what China's doing with the social credit system. What What is that? Well, we have, we're all, everybody's familiar with credit scores in the United States. You know, if you don't pay your bills on time, your credit score goes down. Or if you've got too much credit or not enough credit, your, your credit score goes down. In China, it's much more all encompassing. Um, if you show up late for a restaurant uh, a reservation, if you uh, uh, are, are caught in any kind of uh, altercation in the streets, if you're if you have any interaction with the police, if you have bad grades in school, if you talk back to the wrong person, if you say the wrong thing in social media, it can drive down your social media score. And what that then means is that your children won't get into good schools or you won't get into a good college that you want. You'll have, you'll be way behind on, you know, in terms of being in the line for all kinds of things. Some dating companies won't take you on as a customer. There's, you can't obviously the economic stuff, you know, it's harder to get credit, interest rates are higher, just like with our credit scores. 
But it goes way beyond that. It 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 it, it goes to pretty much every dimension of your life. You know whether or not you can rent an apartment in a certain part of town, those kind of things. And one of the most rapid ways that you can increase your social media score is by saying nice things about the government on social media. It's not a social media score, it's a social credit score. Yeah, that's a literal episode of Black Mirror. Um, so that yep. was that was one of the episodes that they did where your, your whole life is ranked. And if you drop below a certain mark, you don't get invited to things like weddings and uh, etc. Right. And they're actually literally doing that. I would call that the God app because they are seeing and judging every part of your life. And that is a, an oppression that is unprecedented. Um, it, God would be envious of that kind of uh, judgment, uh, if you will. Uh, or Santa Claus, because he too has a list of folks who are naughty and nice. Uh, a little bit different when it's in the Chinese government's hands. Um, so have you seen um, the US slipping into that? At all, and and as I say that, one of the things I think about that I've always had a problem with, and I'm curious what you think about it, and and if see if it's expanded, is when the insurance companies start to judge your uh, smoking habits, which then led into eating habits, which has started leading to, into all habits. Yeah. Well, you know, the insurance companies have been doing this for a long, long time. Now, uh, for example, I have a Toyota. Uh, a plug-in uh, Prius hybrid, and uh, Toyota cut a deal with an insurance company, and because my car is continuously online, uh, you know, through through cell towers and things, um, and that's sold as a great benefit. You know, if you have a breakdown, you push a button, and you know somebody will come. Um, but because my car is continuously online, they know if I accelerate too fast away from stop signs or if I run through red lights or if I drive erratically. And so this insurance company, based on the information that Toyota gives them, will sell me insurance at a discount or not. And uh, I mean, you know, this is just the smallest tip of the iceberg. And it's not unique to Toyota, of course. So um, yeah, we're all under the microscope all the time. I mean, it, it gets so granular, Jenk, that um, like uh, both Facebook and some of these other companies, um, and, and in particular now your internet service providers, um, because we're the only developed country in the world where your internet service provider can legally observe absolutely everything you do online in real time. And uh, this is because Ajit Pai and Donald Trump blew up net neutrality. And so the company bringing the internet into your house can literally, you know, they come up with scores like your emotional state that have to do with how aggressively or slowly you type certain words and how long you linger on certain pictures as you're scrolling through a news story or you stop at an ad or you look at the photos in the news story. Um, on particular websites, they they literally can read every single one of your emails, everything that's going on. I, I you know I first really kind of woke up to this back, geez, about eight years ago I think it was. Uh, my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer, and we were sharing computers with a whole bunch of other people at the TV studio that we were working, and so she would go in and she'd log on for a couple hours in the evening, and wherever she went. And this, I mean, literally, this was the day after her diagnosis. She hadn't told anybody except me and her doctor. They had communicated an email, and uh, after a after a personal visit, 
And every computer she went to in that studio was was uh, throwing ads at her for wigs and prosthetic uh, breast uh, uh, bras and things like this. To the point that some of the people we were working with making jokes, oh, Louise, you're thinking of buying a wig, huh? And it's like, no, I have cancer. Uh, she's fine now, by the way. But I mean, this is how 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 just extraordinarily scrutinized we are. And I think most people are unaware of it other than the fact that, you know, hey, maybe they have a conversation one afternoon while they're sitting next to a smart speaker about a particular product and suddenly Amazon is trying to sell them that product. But um, it's it's a hell of a lot farther down the road than anybody thinks. So here's what I'm really worried about to connect those dots. So what the Chinese government doing is reprehensible, but uh, logical, I, I get it. If you set up a system, you want it to reward you and you want to create the right incentives and disincentives for that. And if you're an authoritarian government like the Chinese government, you don't care about ethics or privacy. You So you want to reward people for praising the Chinese government and you want to punish them for being against the Chinese government. So that's how you would design that algorithm. I understand it. Right, Here in Saudis America, are doing the same. It's happening all over the world. Right, which country did you say was doing the same thing? I said the Saudis. If you the if Saudis. you go on, it's not it's not we're near as granular or sophisticated as China's. But if you if you know if you say something uh, that MBS doesn't like on social media, boom, you're in prison. Yeah. So now here in America, we have corporate rule. Uh, so the government is less likely to do it. Corporations are more likely to do it, especially if they have really troublesome uh, political enemies. So they have apps on all of our phones. And you hear the scary stories about how the apps are listening to you at all times. You know, you put an app for one of these platforms and they pretty much own your phone and the things that you say near your phone. How true is that? Well, let me pause there and then I've got one last question after that. I, to the extent that they might be, you know, activating your microphone and things like that, I'm, I, I'm, I haven't seen any evidence of anything like that yet. Um, I, I'm not sure that that's a big concern, but the, the some of these big data companies, the ones that are bragging that they've got 20 and 30,000 data points on you and on me and on everybody else in America, um, they're selling this information to big retail. And and so when you call an airline, um, how long you wait on hold will be a function of a score that one of these companies has come up with that determines whether you're the kind of person who has enough affluence or enough free time that you might fly more frequently or not. Um, there are stores that buy this. In fact, I believe it was, well, I don't wanna name the, the drugstore chain because I may not be wrong, I may be wrong, it's in the book. Um, but there was a drugstore chain that had hooked up with one of these companies and with a facial recognition company. So when you walked in the store, they knew who you were, they knew what your score was, they knew whether they should take returns from you or whether you might be a fraudulent person. They, you know, it, it would determine whether you get followed around the store. I mean, <laughs> this goes way beyond just, you know, somebody looking creepy, right? Or, or uh, you know, the, 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 the racism that everybody's familiar with. Um, and uh, it, it's, it, it infiltrates every aspect now of business. So the, the thing that every guy is worried about is, uh, let's keep it real, online porn, okay? And so it has been a bit shocking that no one has used that yet against uh, someone, right? 
and I remember Professor Juan Cole when they tried to target his sex life. That was the Bush and Cheney administration back in the day because he was against the Iraq war. Professor Cole said, luckily, my sex life was really boring. So have you seen any movement in that direction? I haven't. And and is it just a matter of time before a corporation thinks, well, we do have all of their browsing history and we could use it at any time? Yeah, not just your browsing history. I mean, you know, if, if you watch porn online, they know which movies you watched and how long you spent with them and, you know, everything else. Right now, the principal, the, the companies that have access to all of that in its most granular form are the internet service providers. And, uh, you know, some of the really large ones are, are affiliated with rather right wing management in many cases. Um, to the best of my knowledge, none of them have, have like gone Soviet like that, you know. But uh, God only knows what they could do in the future with this information. I think, you know, I'm not sure that porn is the, is the big one because I think most men would say, yeah, I looked at porn online. What? what, what? You know, I mean, if, if curiosity, if nothing else, right? I mean, it, it's a fairly common thing. But, um, but knowing, you know, people have other secrets that they would much rather not get out there that have to do with everything from their credit worthiness to their relationships with other people um, to, uh, you know, whether they're skipping work or, I mean, there's just a thousand little things that could be used to to harm people or embarrass people or humiliate people that go beyond just looking at porn. And and once again, if you don't use a VPN, uh, your internet service provider knows everything you do. But if you do, the VPN knows everything you do. Depends on the VPN company. <laughs> you know, some of them, like ExpressVPN, openly advertises that their servers have literally no ability to record data built into them. There's not a hard drive on their servers that, that has the ability to record anything. So they are just providing you with a secure tunnel directly into a giant pipe for the internet, where your stuff just kind of gets lost. But you know, if you've got an app on your computer that's tracking everything that you're doing, and there are a number of them that do that, then that company probably knows that stuff. Yay, <laughs> okay, all right, Tom, the book is called The Hidden History of Big Brother in America. We're out of time, so you guys are gonna have to read the book to find out what the solution is. Uh, thank you, Tom, for joining us, we appreciate it. My pleasure, it's great to see you again, Jen. Good to thank see you. you. All right, back on the conversation. Are they ever going to get Donald Trump on his issue with fraud, taxes, etc.? Is he going to be charged? Is he going to be convicted? Is he going to be in jail? Let's talk about it. David K. Johnson is joining us. He's a Pulitzer Prize winning investigative reporter. He's the one that broke the story about Donald Trump's 2005 tax returns. And he's also the co-founder of dcreport.org. David, good to have you back. Glad to be with you, Jane. Absolutely. All right, so um, if you were the prosecutor, David, uh, what would be the top charge that you would go after Trump on? Well, if I'm a New York State prosecutor, the grand jury in Manhattan, it would be uh, New York State racketeering, Article 460 of the New York State Penal Code. 
Uh, it requires showing three underlying felony crimes. Finding a felony by Donald Trump and the Trump Organization is about as hard as finding a pedestrian in Midtown Manhattan. Uh, and that allows you to bring in all sorts of activity, uh, lying on tax returns, uh, lying to banks, lying to insurance companies, falsifying documents. Uh, it's a very strong law patterned after the federal law. And I think that's where a charge should be brought. So the racketeering is to indicate that it's a uh, overall criminal enterprise. and. Right. Uh, and that's the umbrella under which all the different crimes rest. Is that a fair right. way of describing it? Exactly the way to put it. It's an umbrella statute and it allows you to bring in all sorts of misconduct and illegal behavior and package it that way. And you know, Donald claims uh, Jenk to be the greatest expert in the history of the world on taxes. I'm an actually recognized around the world expert on taxes. Uh, he doesn't know anything about him. And if he were just hit with a tax charge, his lawyers would say, well, Mr. Trump was just puffing. He was just trying to build up his reputation. And uh, he doesn't know anything about taxes. He just did what the uh, tax advisors told him to do. So bringing a straight tax charge, I think, would be unwise. Lots of people who are criminally prosecuted get off. And we hardly prosecute anybody in this country anymore for tax crimes. There are about 500 convictions a year in a country with over 330 million people. Yeah, um, that's an interesting point. So now I am afraid to ask you, uh, what does it look like they're gonna charge him with? Well, at the moment, it looks like the Manhattan DA is not going to do anything. This is a very surprising development. Uh, Cyrus Vance, who was the elected district attorney, had hired Mark Pomerantz, who is the expert on RICO, federal. He used it as a prosecutor, he used it as a defense lawyer, he literally wrote the book on it. And he and another seasoned prosecutor, Carrie Dunn, quit after um, the new attorney, the new district attorney, Alvin Bragg, um, indicated he didn't believe they had a case. Now, subsequent to their resignations on principle, um, the New York Times has done a very interesting story by reporters I used to work with when I was at the Times that suggests the case they were building was heavily based around false statements to banks. You make a false statement on your credit card application or your mortgage loan, that's a crime or can be a crime. And I was kind of surprised that it was so narrow. Now, the Times reporters may not have gotten the full flavor of this, but there's lots of broader issues you can bring up with Donald Trump in a criminal charge. He has asserted, for example, that a property he said under oath as president was worth more than 50 million and repeatedly said in public was worth over 100 million, was only worth $1.3 million. Uh, there are other properties he owns where he told uh, property tax authorities they were worth about a thousandth of, uh, I'm sorry, about 16th of what he told the tax authorities, uh, those kinds of discrepancies are badges of fraud. Uh, and he falsified, no doubt, insurance applications, both for claims and for coverage. And of course, there is the existing criminal case against the Trump Organization and its chief financial officer, Alan Weiselberg, for not reporting about $1.8 million of benefits. And Trump and his lawyers have not denied 
the charges. They've simply said, oh, it's not much money. You know, nobody gets prosecuted for this. If you are an American worker at the median wage, you will work 40 years to earn $1.8 million. Yeah. Um, so, David, there's so many issues to suss out here. So, f first of all, um, if, if, but if they don't go after Trump on these things, we're saying one thing to the IRS uh, and saying another to the, in, in order to get loans. Doesn't it basically say to every business person in America, don't worry about it, just lie. Lie on your taxes, lie on your loan applications. There are no consequences at all. If you're rich in America, you're definitely gonna get away with it. I think that's exactly the message that's being sent. And look, we have a fundamental problem in America that we have very weak white collar crime laws. I just taught my students at Syracuse University College of Law. I'm not a lawyer, but I've taught there for many years about you know, how weak are white collar crime laws, how they're full of all sorts of defenses and excuses. Uh, and it's one of the reasons we're seeing so much criminality at the top of this country that I've been writing about and documenting for several decades. Uh, in addition, the IRS is so strapped for money that they can barely process tax returns. They're having trouble taking in the money. Never mind uh, complicated cases of going after people. Now, Jake, uh, Trump is not off the hook if the Manhattan case dies, because the New York State Attorney General, who's elected, has a civil case against him and has filed papers making it clear that they found at least six areas of civil fraud, uh, seven areas, and they're working on more. The Westchester County District Attorney, that's just north of Manhattan, Mimi Rocha, who was a longtime federal prosecutor for the federal government in Manhattan, has a criminal investigation over his property tax statements, like the property I mentioned that he says is worth 100 million, but he told property tax people it's only worth 1.3 million. The attorney general of the District of Columbia, Carl Racine, has a case over the $107 million raised by the presidential inaugural committee for Trump's inauguration, which was more than double what Obama had raised, and yet it was a very skimpy little affair. It's hard to imagine how they spent more than 25 or $30 million. And in my current book, The Big Cheat, um, I have a whole chapter about how the Trump people tried to take money off the books, which would be a crime, presumably Russian money or Russian friendly money. And then finally, there's a special grand jury just approved by a judge in Georgia by, for the Fulton County DA, Fannie Willis, uh, into Trump's threats against Brad Raffsenberger if he didn't uh, undo the Georgia election results and declare him the winner. So uh, Trump has other problems coming, and he should be under investigation by the US Justice Department. But I think it's pretty clear at this point that Merrick Garland, uh, Biden's attorney general, really would rather not open the can of worms of a administration, federal administration going after a previous president. I think he'd rather see the states do this work for him. All right, well, David, what I'm worried about is nobody's actually gonna charge him and they're gonna let him get away with a lifetime of criminality. So the Justice Department basically protecting Biden and all corrupt Democrats not doing anything is, Obvious, 
And it's what every Democratic administration does. They say absurd things like, we don't look backward, we look forward. I'm sure every criminal in America would love to hear that. Um, I haven't heard of any crimes in the future yet, uh, but they're usually in the past. Um, so that's not surprising. Now the Manhattan DA looks like they're throwing in the towel and New York State Attorney General is just doing civil lawsuits. For God's sake, is he ever going to be charged? But more importantly than that, David, because it seems like maybe they'll do it in Georgia, you know, in the description you just described here, but none on on the real problems, which are money. But then that leads you to the question of why? Why won't anyone charge him? What is wrong with them? Well, it, it, to be fair to Donald, who I've covered now for almost 34 years, he's far from unique. There are lots of big league white collar criminals, CEOs of major corporations who I've written about, who do all sorts of illegal things and we don't go after them. We have two systems of justice in America, one for street crimes. So for example, the US Supreme Court held that a California man, a petty thief his whole life, who stole nine videos from a Walmart in Southern California to give his children something at Christmas because he was broke got 55 years in prison and the US Supreme Court called that a reasonable sentence and upheld it. On the other hand, we see news all the time about uh, major Wall Street figures, investors, uh, business people who engage in blatant frauds and deceptions and nothing happens. Uh, and Look at the, when Daryl Gates, who I covered as police chief of LA 40 years ago and expo- was exposing him. Uh, Daryl used to say, you know, that there were prominent LA people, brand name people in various businesses who were up to their eyeballs in the cocaine trafficking business, but they never brought a case against any of those people. He just complained and asserted they exist. We're too focused on street crime. We're too focused on the person who robs a bodega uh, uh, and not enough on people who do horrible economic damage. And you know, I would have told you, Jake, up until the resignation of these two prosecutors, that the Manhattan DA was absolutely going to indict Donald Trump. I'm I'm floored that uh, it appears that he's not doing so. And an obvious question is, why did he back off? Vanity Fair wrote a piece calling him a bagman, suggesting there's some unsavory background that people didn't check out before he was elected. I don't know about the depth of that. I just know Vanity Fair wouldn't have reported it without some substance. But at the moment. Uh, I think it's less likely he's going to be uh, nailed on charges he richly deserves. I mean, I've written three books documenting his criminal behavior. And if it was a lesser person, if we uh, had a society that actually had equal justice under law, hey, Donald Trump would have been prosecuted a long time ago. He, He should have been prosecuted when he forged his own tax return and his accountant revealed that in testimony in a trial. Uh, he should have been uh, jailed when he invo- involved himself in uh, multiple sales tax crimes in New York that Mayor Ed Koch said back in the day he should get 15 days in jail for, or when his casinos were giving liquor, limousines, credit lines in one case, uh, and hotel suites to 13 and 14 year old gamblers in Atlantic City. But we don't pursue white collar crime. Um, so if you're willing to take the risk, you know that's a great new career opportunity. No, it's not because your boss will definitely end all of your cases. 
because the further up you go, the more corrupt they are and the more cowardly they are. Every prosecutor that doesn't, we don't want anybody prosecuted on crimes they didn't commit. That's crazy. We don't want any piece of that. But all of his crimes are public. We can all see them. Right. I'm sorry, Shank, if I wasn't clear, that's exactly my point. There's a robust record of Donald Trump committing many crimes, swindling people on his Trump University, swindling people on his never built Baja resort. He's done this again and again and again, and with clear criminal intent. He's just not unique. Yeah. We, we have a system where we don't go after high level white collar crimes. Part of that is because of the structure of our politics. But another part of it is that the white collar crime laws we have are full of weaknesses, loopholes. Right. Uh, we don't devote much money to it, and they're complicated and difficult to explain to juries. Yeah, no, that's BS. I can explain it super clearly, uh, and it's that sure, people like that doesn't mean all of them are. Yeah, I got you. But Alvin Bragg's a coward at a minimum. Merrick Garland's a coward at oh, a minimum. I agree. With you okay, that. so last two things. No, no, I know you agree, David. Last two things, real quick. So Letitia James is she full of crap? I mean, I don't care about civil lawsuits at all. At all, at all, at all. I know, well, oh, wow, we'll bankrupt him. No, you won't. He'll just raise another $200 million from the suckers that are the Republican voters. So is she going to do anything criminal or is she full of crap too? Well, under New York law, Letitia James only has inherent civil authority. Now, what she can do is go to Governor Kathy Hochul or Alvin Bragg and say, grant me criminal authority. They're not going to do that. Uh, They're cowards. really the question journalists should be pressing her with. Why don't you ask for criminal authority and then, which is very simple and easy to do, and then you take over the Manhattan DA's case? Well, that would be great, uh, but I'm I would be shocked if Hochul wasn't also a coward. And Bragg has already said I'm a loser and I shouldn't be in this role. I'm not going to prosecute rich people, so that's obvious. And so he's not going to do it. Um, this is disgusting. It's disgusting. What happens in America with the powerful? Yep. Last thing, I, I always had hope that the semi-obvious money laundering he did for the Russians was going to also lead to criminal charges. That seems like that is a hope that is long, long gone. I mean, his kids said it in public. We got all our money from the Russians. You know, you got all the Deutsche Bank connections, all the things that you see play out that are clear and obvious context clues, etc. Uh, but if you did this, one, did the statute of limitations run out on those? And two, if they haven't, is there any prayer or they're just gonna be like, oh, yeah, we know you work with the Russians, but we want to prosecute them on things we got them debt to rights on? You think we're gonna do that? It, so. yeah, I, think, I think there are many crimes involving the Russians that Donald Trump could be pursued for. If you do it under a RICO statute with a conspiracy, then as long as the conspiracy continues, you can bring that charge. The statute of limitations doesn't run out. Tax fraud like murder has no, criminal tax fraud like murder has no statute of limitations. So there are ways to go after Donald Trump, but you've hit upon the real fundamental problem. You know, members of Congress are beholden not to their voters, but to donors, many times donors who don't live in the district or even the state that they represent. Uh, we've we, Basically, we have institutionalized corruption. And the Supreme Court in a series of decisions 
has basically made it clear that the traditional bribery and extortion statutes that were used on politicians aren't going to be usable anymore unless you can show blatant, oh yeah, I'll give you this money, you'll take this action. Anything short of that, the Supreme Court has basically said, not a crime. This is the fundamental serious problem we have in this country combined with corporations, which are very useful devices for encouraging people to take risk and manage assets, are evolving in the law from creatures of the state we created to benefit society into our masters. And those two problems, identifying by those in power with the rich and powerful and depending on them for campaign donations, and these changes in the law that are allowing corporations to do all sorts of things that they weren't allowed to do as recently as 50 years ago, those two things are really damaging our democracy. And I, I you know, much as I write about them and talk about them, I will tell you I've had about this much success in getting the public to take up an interest in it. Yeah, well, that's not your fault, David. It's uh, mainstream media, which is the number one protectors of corporate rule and corruption in this country. Um, yeah. So uh, that's why uh, issues that enrage Americans get no coverage at all on television or in a lot of print under the guise that they would be boring. They're not at all boring. Corruption is what drives the way, or they get presented in the way like Wall Street will be criticized, but only in the way Wall Street wants to be criticized. Yeah. They're yeah. probably going to be criticized, but not on the things that matter. And that's, my goodness, my former newspaper, the New York Times, has a, a, a columnist who rose to influence by saying, you know, the real victims of the 2008 economic collapse, that was the, the poor people on Wall Street. It was, yeah. they were the victims. Yeah. It's just atrocious. It's absolute corruption through and through. All right, the things you can do about it, wolf-pack.com. Wolfpack is trying to get an actual amendment and through the states and not through the corrupt Congress. You can do it that way. The audience should, everyone in the watching this should check that out, wolf-pack.com. Should also check out the great reporting by David K. Johnson at dcreport.org. You should check out all of his books where he clearly lays out the case against Donald Trump and his criminality. And by the way, if you're a prosecutor in this country, maybe you should buy his books and, and take a lesson or two. It ain't that hard if you actually wanted to hold people accountable. But unfortunately, our prosecutors are also deeply corrupt in the pockets of the rich in this country. All right, David K. Johnson, thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank you, Jen.